0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere. They go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. Now, here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of United Soccer coaches, Dean Linke. I am Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast.
1: It is presented by League Apps, and we have another great show. We start by meeting one of the four members who will be inducted into this year's class for the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame this January at the convention in Philadelphia. We start with Roy Gordon. Then we move to the 2022 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award recipient. Her name is Felicity Day. Today on the Big Ten Network at 4.30, Michael Moynihan's Northwestern women's soccer team will take on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Northwestern is led by their second team all-Big Tenner and Captain Rowan Lappy, A straight baller, Rowan Lappy is on the show. Then, of course, one of the biggest stories in women's college soccer is the Michigan State Spartans. It should be no surprise that Jeff Hostler knows what he's doing. He won three national championships at Grand Valley State. He won at Alma. Before that, he was a big-time player at ALMA and having an amazing season at Michigan State. And he does care about his players both on and off the field. That is why he's working with Dr. Nick Holton, who got all three of his degrees from Michigan State, and Dr. Adam Wright, who is the Director of Mental Performance for the Washington Nationals. Dr. Holton and Dr. Wright have a program called the anti-fragile athlete that focuses on mental health, well-being, and performance among collegiate athletes. They are currently working with Jeff Hostler and Michigan State, among other college programs across the country. You will like my visit with Dr. Nick Holton and Dr. Adam Wright, helping Michigan State become the complete package in women's D1 soccer. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our amazing presenting sponsor, LEAGUE APPS.
0: We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created LEAGUE APPS, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love league apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run grow and win go to leagueapps.com to learn more league apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the united soccer coaches podcast welcome back to the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps once again here's the host of the show dean Linky.
1: On October 13, just a couple of weeks ago, United Soccer Coaches announced the election of four individuals as the newest members of its Hall of Fame. All four will be inducted as members of the Class of 2023 during the 83rd Annual United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 11-15 in Philadelphia. The four are Al Albert, Dr. Thomas Fleck, Hank Steinbrecher, and Roy Gordon. Today, we visit with Roy Gordon. Gordon began his coaching career at the University of Maine, Farmington in 1970, serving as head coach of both men's soccer and baseball for the Beavers. Among his soccer players was Mike Berticelli, who went on to a legendary coaching career of his own. Gordon initiated the soccer program at the University of Mary Washington in 1977 and the tennis program a year later. He served the school with distinction as a teacher and coach until his retirement 34 years later. He compiled a career soccer coaching record of 432, 253, and 53 for the Eagles and was one of eight NCAA Division III coaches to have surpassed 400 wins at the time of his retirement. He was an eight-time Capital Athletic Conference Coach of the Year, five-time United Soccer Coaches Regional Coach of the Year, and the Virginia State College's Divisional Coach of the Year on four occasions. Roy Gordon's UMW teams played in nine NCAA tournaments and won eight CAC titles. Following a long stint on the board of directors, Roy Gordon served as the 50th United Soccer Coaches President in 1998 and was the recipient of the prestigious United Soccer Coaches Honor Award in 2009. Gordon was inducted into the University of Mary Washington Athletics Hall of Fame in 2011 and the Virginia D.C. Soccer Hall of Fame in 2012. He has served a variety of positions on the United Soccer Coaches Convention Committee since 1985 and continues currently as the housing manager for the event. With that, we meet the first of four people going into the Hall of Fame in January, Roy Gordon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Apps, and congratulations on this Hall of Fame honor. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Roy, you certainly understand what it means to go into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame when you got the news. How'd you feel then and how do you feel now? Excited
2: and humbled probably would be the best ways of describing it. I recognize what it means. I look down the list of the more recent Hall of Fame inductees. You look at their accomplishments and what they've done in the soccer world. That includes Bruce Arena, Anson Dorrance, who have world-class accomplishments and you have Allison Wilbur, who has been a leader and one of the more successful women's collegiate coaches ever, our recent inductees. And to put myself in that category and understand that people feel I'm deserving of this recognition is really quite humbling.
1: Roy, as you heard in your bio, you already won the prestigious honor award from the United Soccer Coaches Usually the Hall of Fame comes first, then the honor award, but you are doing it the other way. Having won the honor award, were you fairly certain that you were going to get into the Hall of Fame or not sure?
2: Well, you know, interestingly enough, when my wife, Terry, and I decided to start the endowment in the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, I was having a conversation with Jeff Finell, who's heavily involved in the foundation. And he said, you know, you've had a Hall of Fame career. And when you put yourself up against other folks, you know, I, I was Division Three coach and I just kind of put my head down and was fortunate to be at a, at a school that attracted some good players and, and we had a lot of success, but I was Division Three coach, you know, and I just didn't necessarily see myself as a Hall of Famer.
1: When you think about your start way back in 1970 at the University of Maine, Farmington, take us back to that time. Take us back to your energy and your eagerness about coaching.
2: I may have told you in our interview for the endowment that I probably got the job more because I was a baseball guy at the time. I played more collegiate baseball than I did collegiate soccer. And in my graduate work, I was doing assistant coaching work in baseball, but the job was baseball and soccer. And I got to believe I got the job because I had that background in soccer. A lot of baseball people in 1970 in Maine, not a lot of soccer people. So, yeah, I mean, I, I jumped at it. It was a great opportunity. You know, I inherited a team that maybe had three or four guys that had much soccer experience and everybody else was You know, maybe a recreational soccer player, if that, you know, we just, you know, put our head down. It was a state school. We were able to attract some good players. And we turned that program around. And it was very successful at the time I left. Then when I started at what was then Mary Washington College, it was a new program. And I gotta tell you, Dean, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Starting a new program again with three guys who had soccer experience and of any kind. And The first game at Roanoke College, we're about 20 minutes in and it's 0-0. And I'm saying, oh, you know, this isn't going to be too bad.
1: The final was (laughs) 8-0. And and that year was a real learning experience. I'm not surprised that you were able to start a college program, the way you organize the convention and you're still active in the convention with housing is incredible because you handle that with such ease and such comfort, you never get rattled. I gotta believe that's part of your temperament, Roy. Is that fair, a guy who really doesn't get rattled and can manage any kind of crisis at any time?
2: Usually, there have been times, I can tell you one or two occasions that I have lost a little bit of control. And why this happened, I don't know, but the Virginia Soccer Officials Association wanted to recognize me, and they put me in their Hall of Fame. And So in my welcoming remarks at that event, I commented about uh, two very un-Hall of Fame-like incidents running onto the field when a referee gave a penalty that I thought was very unwarranted. I can't remember what my comment was. Usually not foul language, but a comment uh, at another referee who I felt
1: was... uh,
2: Making a very egregious error, but
1: yeah, I, I've had a few moments, but generally I pretty much controlled. wait, I thought all coaches love referees, Roy. <laughs> I have come to appreciate them. All right, fair enough. Before we move to the incredible success you had at University of Mary Washington, I do want to go back to the fact that you coached Mike Berticelli. shellis Hyman was on last week talking about the honor award, and he credits pretty much all of his success to Mike Berticelli and you coached the man. What made him so special?
2: his personality. He was such a gregarious guy, friends with everybody, very enthusiastic. I knew he would would do well as a coach. I mean, he was at a school where the education program was very important. The teacher education program was very important. So when I got there, he was a junior and he was our backup goalkeeper. He dislocated his shoulder so he could no longer be in the goal his senior year. So we found a way to to uh, make him productive, and he got on the field quite a bit. And so I was actually a little bit surprised when he went to graduate school and wanted to be a coach, but certainly not
1: surprised because of his enthusiasm and and his way with people. Here with Roy Gordon, one of four amazing people that will be inducted into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. That'll be in January during convention time, where Roy will also be busy. As you mentioned, you initiated the soccer program at the University of Mary Washington. Paint a picture of the University of Mary Washington for us, please.
2: Well, at the time I came, state school had become a co-ed institution in 1971. It had been the Women's College to the University of Virginia. By 1976, the administration really didn't actively seek Males new president came in and said this has got to change hired an athletic director in 1976 and I got hired in 1977 so there were. 2000 women and about 100 men 20 of whom played on the soccer team first meeting we had I can't remember how many guys came out one of the guys who had been involved in their club team, the year before. Went into the dorms, recruited a bunch of guys, so we wound up having 20 players. We played on a field that was 50 by 100, with four by four wooden posts, and the crossbar was a one by four that was was U bolted onto a three inch pipe. That was our field for the first two years, which probably was beneficial. Keeping everything tight meant instead of losing six or seven zero most games, we were able to keep it to two or three. <laughs> but we were 0-10 we were that first year. Uh, I think we were uh, maybe 3-11 and 11 each of the next two
1: years. And I think by the fifth year, we had our first winning season. Well, you had 432 wins. This is going to be tough, but can you pick out two of the more special of those 432, Roy?
2: We had a run in 1997. We got to the Final Four. Uh, we lost to uh, Joe Bean's Wheaton College team in the semifinals but in that run we had uh, in the first round playing at greensboro college we had two games uh, that we were down 1-0 with uh, 15 minutes to go and came back and won uh, both those games One, i think two to one and one three to one and one of those games was against a team that we had previously lost to during the course of the season another ncaa game we had played gettysburg college at gettysburg lost 3-0, but it was one of those games that it was probably 50-50 by the way of by way of uh, possession. They happened to score three goals. They came to our place for the NCA tournament, and the result was 3-0 our way. Same game, probably 50-50 possession, but we scored the three goals. So that was actually in a, in a different season, not not the same year, but those are the kinds of things uh, we we had a game in a conference uh, semifinal against St. Mary's in Maryland, and we were down one nothing and we got seven minutes to go the way we were playing there was no way we're winning this game, we were dominated. They had a very good team on the year seven minutes to go i had made a sub kid makes a great run down the left flank scores a brilliant goal it's one one we go into overtime score on a uh, set piece great header. In overtime, golden gold at the time we win the game. So, yeah, there are a few games that,
1: that you do remember that are uh, special. As you heard, I just mentioned that Shellis Heineman last week, as an incoming honor award winner, said one of his key mentors was your former player. When you think about two or three people that made a big difference in your life as a coach and as a person, who might they be, Roy?
2: Well, Tim Shum. Was my uh, collegiate coach. He had just gotten to. It was then Harper College became Binghamton University. You know, so he's the guy that asked me to get involved in what was then the NSCAA, helping with the convention. So that was a, a big piece of it. And through that, I met Rob Robinson. I remember this like it was yesterday. We were at a convention committee meeting in in Cincinnati, and we went to a little Italian restaurant. And of course, Rob is famous for his love of Italian food. Uh, famous in the association for his love of Italian food. And it was just he and I at dinner and that started collaboration, working with the association, but also a great friendship. I've followed his coattails all the way through the next 30 years.
1: I mentioned that following a stint on the board of directors, you served as the 50th United soccer coaches president in 1998. What do you remember about that one year?
2: The one thing I do remember, um, I got a call from Jim Sheldon one day, I think it was in the spring, and he said, oh, um, Umbro just left us. I said, and I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, well, I'm just going to go to another cloth soft goods manufacturer and see who we can find to uh, get to be our sponsor. It was a quiet time for the association, so I, you know, I'm not sure uh, we had that many momentous things going on. The things that went along with being president were were absolutely wonderful. Dinner with Pele, Umbro did a very nice thing at the convention. they uh, when Pele was there, they always took the president out to dinner, and that happened to be the year that Pele was on board. An unbelievable experience.
1: Well said, you know you received the honor award in two thousand and nine as we touched on. Take us back to that moment in two thousand and nine when you won the honor award.
2: That was. Uh, Tremendous surprise. As I, as I indicated to you, that was really the first major recognition that I received from the association. So for me, it came out of the blue. I've never seen myself as a special guy. I put my head down. I do the work. I follow through. I try to get it done well. And so I just don't look for the recognition. I don't care about the recognition. I care about getting things done well. When you are recognized, it's, it's quite special and
1: um, it, it was exciting. As we also mentioned, this is not your first Hall of Fame as you were inducted into the University of Mary Washington Athletics Hall of Fame in 2011 and a year later, the Virginia D.C. Soccer Hall of Fame in 2012. What do you remember about those two years, Roy? Virginia D.C.
2: Hall of Fame was one of those things that came out of the blue because I really never do, did much work for Virginia Youth. Obviously I, you know, I helped my I helped my son's coach when he was playing, but there was a there was a man whose daughter played basketball at Mary Washington and he worked for DC United and I guess he did a lot of work with the Virginia DC organization and he he put my name in. That one was, I just guessed, because my work in soccer in Virginia, uh, developing the program at Mary Washington, I think that was that kind of a recognition. Mary Washington, of course, that was special. I'm still their, their best fan. I go to all the games. Uh, it's my baby. Uh, it'll always be my baby. And uh, I'm you know, I'm, I'm proud of the program. I'm proud of what the current coach, Jason Kilby, is doing with the program is still having a lot of success. And so, um, you know, that was a great night to celebrate with former players who came back. And, and the reality is a coach is only as good as the men and women he gets to work with. Without good players, we don't have any success. And I was fortunate to be able to attract, uh, and the college was able to attract uh, good people, good players. And that's
1: the reason for the success. I'm almost certain that that same pride that you have for the University of Mary Washington Athletics Hall of Fame, you have for United Soccer Coaches. I think that's a fair statement, is it not, Roy? Oh,
2: it it certainly is. I mean, the two things that I've given my energies to professionally, uh, my college program and to United Soccer Coaches. You know, I've been doing work for them since the mid to late 80s, and have loved every minute of it. I enjoy the
1: work, and I enjoy the people that I get to work with, and that's what it's all about. Well, I know we enjoy you as well, and you put your money with your, where your mouth is with your wife and now have a fund as part of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. I've had you on to talk about that, but now as it relates going into the Hall of Fame, I think it means even more, Roy. I think it's a powerful statement. Can you put an exclamation point on that, please, sir?
2: We could do it. And it was important because the convention's been important to me. The coaching education that I received from the association was important to my career. I mean, here I was uh, at 23, just turned 24 and a couple of years of high school playing, a year of college playing. And where do I learn about this game? At the time, the association was the place to go. There was the federation as well. The coaching education I got from the association was so important in in my ability to develop as a
1: coach. I feel like... The association picked the right year for all four of these members, and I say that because we are pretty much through COVID. I think Philadelphia is going to be a tremendous success, and you'll be right there in the middle of it on a Friday night. Have you thought already about what you're going to say to everybody on that Friday night, Roy? I I have, um, and I'm
2: going to keep it short. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you can talk as long as you want my man you've earned you've earned that right but certainly i appreciate that uh, uh as one of the the co-hosts for sure roy i mean can you put into words and you kind of already but uh when you hear it used to be nsca now you hear united soccer coaches when you hear either one of those how does it make you feel what do you think about i feel part of it
2: i feel like i've uh i've made a good contribution to the association and I guess through the association to the greater good of the game in the United States, a small part, when you look around, there are just so many people who are doing so much tremendous work. I get, you know, the Soccer America blog every day, and you just read and see new names and people who are doing fantastic things. And it just blows me away, uh, the number of people who are doing tremendous things throughout this country. You know, I know I've put a little part, and that's why, that's why being inducted into the Hall of Fame is a little unbelievable. When I see the tremendous number of people who are doing incredible work throughout the country, and every day there's a new name. So you put yourself in that, and you do say a little bit of, why me? But you know I recognize that I have played my part.
1: Roy Gordon, part of this year's Hall of Fame class for United Soccer Coaches. As we end, Roy, your parting words for people that are looking in on what it takes to have a Hall of Fame career. What's your advice to a young coach? Because I know one of the key initiatives of United Soccer coaches is to get younger. You, like me, appreciate the legacy of so many people like you and like Hank Steinbrecher and Al Albert and Mr. Fleck as well. But what's your message to the young people considering the values of United Soccer coaches?
2: I think they have to. Uh... Take the association for what it offers. It does offer an opportunity to develop your coaching bones. One also has to be willing to give back. It's one thing to do, to do your work and develop your own program, but it's another thing to be part of the greater game. And to be part of the greater game, you, you have to contribute. You know, all coaches uh, do different things uh, in their life, and sometimes they keep it within their community. Sometimes uh, it's just within their team, but I think there's also value in getting involved in the, in the greater game and, and putting yourself out there.
1: Well, let's end with this because I've always found your energy and your enthusiasm infectious as you deal with the convention and juggle everything you're dealing with the convention and every interaction I've ever had with you has been positive with that I feel like, Roy, as long as you are healthy, you will continue to bring that energy and infection to the association.
2: That's what my plan is. They're going to have to kick me out the door.
1: (laughs) Well, right now we're kicking you up the door to the penthouse to the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame, where you can put that right next to United Soccer Coaches Honor Award. Roy Gordon going into the Hall of Fame for United Soccer Coaches. Thank you so much for joining us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you, Dean. Have a great day. My day gets better and this podcast gets better as we're joined next by Felicity Day, who was named the 2022 recipient of the Mike Berticelli Award. Felicity Day actually attended the college where Roy Gordon coached for so many years. Felicity Day is also the daughter of John Smith, who had that famous field goal for the New England Patriots, the snowball game where the snowplow came out and found a way to get New England that field goal. That's her dad. How cool is that? A soccer guy who became a kicker for 10 years in the NFL. Felicity Day has done so much for the association and now she gets recognized as the recipient of the 2022 Mike Berticelli Award. And she joins me after these messages.
0: Register now for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and experience all United Soccer Coaches has to offer in one place. Enhance your coaching resume by attending over 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors. In addition to meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and more. Register before the December 15th. Price increase at Convention.org.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Great to start with Roy Gordon, who's going into the Hall of Fame. Now we want to meet the winner of the Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award on October 27th. They announced the election of Felicity Day as the 2022 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award recipient for her outstanding contributions teaching coaches and her service to the game. Felicity Day, a longtime United Soccer Coaches coach educator, becomes the 23rd person to receive the prestigious recognition from her peers. The award is named in honor of Mike Berticelli, the former United Soccer Coach's Vice President of Education and Men's Coach at the University of Notre Dame, who passed away way too early in 2000. Day serves as the coach developer for many of the association's educational courses in the great state of Massachusetts and across the country. In addition to giving her time to the association, Day is the vice president of Steel Experience and a coach developer at Steel Sports, as well as the head coach of the 2009 Girls Steel United Boston team. In her spare time, she volunteers with Athletes Unlimited in Massachusetts, an organization that runs soccer programs for children with disabilities. Day's professional experience spans many roles over the course of 20 plus years, including player for Arsenal ladies in London in 88 through 99, head women's soccer coach at Nichols College from 98 to 2001 owner and director of coaching at John Smith Soccer Academy 2002 to 18 head girls soccer coach at Weston High School 2007 09 and director of education at FC USA Soccer Club from 2018 to 2020 day has been a member of the association since 1998 A longtime student of the game, Day has earned her United Soccer Coaches Master Coach Diploma, University of Delaware Master Coach Certificate, the highest diploma offered by the association. Additionally, she has earned her UEFA C license and U.S. Soccer C license. The Berticelli Award will be presented at the association's awards banquet on Friday, January 13, in conjunction with the 83rd Annual united soccer coaches convention in philadelphia with that we welcome felicity day welcome and congratulations felicity
3: thank you so much i appreciate that
1: yeah as we get started so last week we started the show with shellis heineman who wins the prestigious honor award and he credited first and foremost mike berticelli roy gordon right before you who has won the honor award and is going into the hall of fame coach mike berticelli And you win the Mike Berticelli Award. And as coincidence would have it, you actually played at the same university where Roy Gordon coached forever.
3: Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of uh, soccer connections there for sure. Small soccer world.
1: Now, one connection that is not soccer, but football that we have to talk about right away is your father, John Smith, is the famous kicker for the New England Patriots that hit the field goal in the snowbow where they actually shovel the little spot away for the new England Patriots. So tell the story about your dad becoming a pro football player and whatever he has told you about that game, because for a lot of us, we can picture it like it happened yesterday.
3: Yes. So he is English um, and came over to the States uh, to work at a summer camp. Like a lot of English Soccer coaches do. Um, Soccer was his love and and his passion. And someone at this camp that he was at in Western Mass actually saw him kicking a soccer ball, um, asked him to kick a football. And and that person happened to be a scout for, I think it was the Giants. But anyway, so he thought it would be a great opportunity, went home back to England, got married, and then came back over here and he was a place kicker for 10 years. But always had a soccer business in the off season. So he started soccer here in Massachusetts in 1974 and ran it for 40 years. He is retired now. Um, and we sold our businesses, um, our soccer camp business for 40 years, um, and our club business to, to steel sports who I work for now.
1: Incredible. And has he told you a lot of stories about being a football kicker? Were you born at all while he was playing?
3: Yes. So I'm the oldest of four. So, um, he played 74 to 84. So yeah, I was, I was a young one and, um, you know, still have very fond memories of, of going to the games, um, at Sullivan stadium and, um, and just having, having, uh, you know, different family events with the different players and, and things like that. So I definitely look, look back on that fondly
1: for sure. Your resume is so impressive, and now here you go, Felicity Day. You win the Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award. Can you put into words what that means to you? It
3: is a tremendous honor, and and actually, when um, Doug Williamson called, I was completely shocked. Um, I think what makes it even more special is the fact that my peers um, voted on that, and so just to be recognized for something that I love doing and that I've I've been doing for 20 years and something that, you know, I think it's, it's not something that I look to be recognized at. It's a passion. I love doing it. And so, you know, to be recognized and to receive this award is, is one of the highlights um, of my career for sure. and, and And a huge honor.
1: Can you share with us who some of the first people you shared the news with?
3: Really, my family and my father. And, you know, he's, he was kind of the inspiration for me um, growing up. He was always my soccer coach. I ran the soccer business with him for 20 um, out of the 40 years. And um, he was definitely kind of the first person to just get me involved in the game and, and to continue, um, you know, helping me with the different opportunities that I had. And um, so, yeah, it was very exciting for sure.
1: Beyond your father, who are some people within United Soccer coaches that have made a direct impact in your life? And don't worry if you miss anybody because there'll be time along the way to, you know, thank other people as well. But uh, who are a couple names that come to mind right away, Felicity?
3: After college, I started doing the coaching courses right away. I became I was an All American at college, and that's what introduced me um, to the NSCA at the time. And so I took the courses. Um, you know, Paul Payne, Paul Marco, like they were there you know, from day one with me, um, coaching me as I did those courses. Um, Nancy Feldman has has definitely been a mentor as well. Um, and, you know, being able to work with her through the courses. Um, she was obviously in Boston at BU, so we were able to work closely together running um, some of the non-residential courses as well. Um, she and I worked together to run an all-female um, 7799 coaching course. Um, and, you know, Giovanni Pacini also was, was instrumental in, in just helping me continue to, I guess, to, to run the, the non-residential courses. It was always something, my goal was to kind of run at least one, um, of our courses a year, and, and my father also had an indoor sports center, so it allowed, um, it allowed us to do that, and, and so, yeah, I would say, um, you know, and then just, Learning from people like Shellis and and Roy, who you know, I originally looked at as like the men's soccer coach at, at Mary Washington, where I was a player. Um, just learning from my colleagues is it's it's been an incredible experience and and one that's been very um, exciting and, and fun along the way.
1: Well, and you're already doing it because I would think if you win something like the Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award, it would make you want to reminisce and reflect and think about how you got here and you've started to do that already. But I want to dive deeper as you think about your playing days. As you mentioned, you were at the same school that Roy, who just preceded you here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. What's your best memory as a player? And then I'm going to ask you your best memory as a coach, but let's start with as a player, Felicity.
3: I mean, playing, you know, in the NCAA tournament, um, my senior year of college, that's always a highlight, you know, with your teammates that you've been working so hard with. Um, over four years, Um, but also getting a different perspective, going from college um, to play in England um, for Arsenal Ladies in 98, 99, kind of when it it wasn't really the thing to do, you know, Um, we didn't get paid and we would train just twice a week from eight to 10 at night. Um, I had a job during the day and, and so just to get that perspective and, and I learned a lot over there as well, um, from the players. So that, that was definitely a highlight of my playing career as well.
1: And your greatest memory as a coach and what has been an amazing career as a coach in so many levels.
3: There's not really one memory that stands out when I look back at it. I, I love the fact that I've had an opportunity to coach uh, boys and girls from ages two um, I do our two and three-year-old classes that I love and then all the way up through the youth level now um, through high school and through college level so and I love every age group it's, it's just you know different um, obviously different attributes of the, of the athletes at, at different ages but um, yeah I, I don't know if there's you know, kind of one, one aspect of, of the coaching um, career that really stands out. But um, the fact that, you know, the, the United Soccer Coaches has been a constant in my life um, for 19 years, the fact that I was able to do that as a mother um, and, and Jeff Tipping definitely helped in that respect. He really helped, um, you know, I was able to bring my, my two-year-old son with me down to Sunrise, Florida and, and, um, and coach the coaching courses which allowed me to stay in the game. And so I will forever be grateful to him for giving me that opportunity um, as a young mother to do that. Um, because sometimes, you know, that kind of the, the coaching journeys put on the backburn um, when you have a family and, and that Jeff helped that not be the case and, and help me continue.
1: As you sit here today, as a woman who's done amazing work in coaching, and then you see what is happening in the women's game you mentioned your time with arsenal then compared to now you saw the urals you've seen the world cups you've seen the olympics you just saw the nwsl championship game and the playoffs and all those crowds you're seeing a lot of women i just did a game minnesota versus michigan state aaron chastain has an all-female staff on the minnesota golden gophers so We are making progress for women in coaching. It's given me chills, in fact, as somebody who started with the 91 team when Anson won the World Cup over in China and to be able to stay in touch with those amazing women. What are your thoughts about the progress being made right now?
3: It is really almost like satisfying. You know, it's very, um, it's exciting to see. Um, It's, it's just it's great. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's about time. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of groundwork obviously was done. Um, and so just to see the sport really come into its own and um, you know, to, to have young girls there and, and now, you know, as they say, if you can see it, you can be it. And so to have those role models, um, you know, for, for the young girls out there is just tremendous. And just, it makes me very, very happy, you know, to see, um, to see where we are now. I think there's obviously still a long way to go, but I think we're we're definitely getting there.
1: So people can see you and hear you right now, Felicity. What is your message to young women who are thinking about getting into coaching after maybe their playing careers are done?
3: I would say do it. Don't be afraid that there's a good chance that you will be a minority, that um, you may be the only woman out there. You might, you know, you might have a two or three of you, um, but just do it. And don't, you know, let that scare you from pursuing something. If, if coaching and, and soccer is your passion, um, then yeah, go ahead, do it. Surround yourself with um, a great network of friends um, and people that can help you along the way. Um, As I said, you know, Nancy was definitely kind of a mentor to me and, um, you know, just kind of always there if I needed to kind of bounce ideas off of um, people. But, you know, I was also able to have a strong um, network around me that, again, that helped me pursue that, pursue my dream of, of kind of becoming a coach educator.
1: Felicity Day is the recipient of the 2022 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award. Just two more questions for you, Felicity Day. Who makes the cut? Who gets at the Felicity Day table for the awards banquet on Friday night? (laughs) Who's going to be there?
3: That's a good question. That's, you know, with with some teenagers, um, it's it's trying to figure out the logistics, right? So uh, that is to be determined, for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, tell us about your family, though. Tell us about uh, the names of your kids.
3: Uh, Yeah, so I have a son, um, Olin, who's a junior, and a daughter, Hillary, who's a freshman. They keep
1: us on our toes for sure. Awesome. Well, I hope they'll be there. My last question, when you hear these words, NSCAA slash United Soccer Coaches, what does that mean to you?
3: It means a soccer family to me, I think again, just being part of it for 19 years, um, just on the staff for 19 years, but even before that doing my licenses, um, it's a group of people that care and a group of people that, that want to, the coach educators that, that want to help coaches improve um, and will do whatever it takes to really help the coaches improve and, and to share their passion for the game.
1: Felicity Day, the 2022 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award winner. Thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Felicity Day, as you can tell, is a baller. Rowan Lappy is a baller for the Northwestern Wildcats, who will play today on the Big Ten Network against Penn State in the semifinals. Rowan Lappy from Northwestern when we return. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. What an amazing show. We got a Hall of Famer. We got the Mike Berticelli winner. And now we got a straight baller, Rowan Lappy, who plays in the midfield for the Northwestern Wildcats, who, by the way, are 14-3-2. They finished 7-2-1 in the Big Ten. They beat Rutgers in the quarterfinal. And they'll play today at 4.30 at lower.com field on the Big Ten Network against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Rowan Lappy having herself... An unbelievable season. We saw her with a great goal against Stanford to beat Stanford earlier in the season. And she scored a big goal, a bomb against Rutgers. You got to Google it to give her her sixth goal, her third assist on the season. She is one of two captains for the Northwestern Wildcats. After the Stanford game, I interviewed her. I called her a baller then. I'm going to call her a baller now. We welcome the baller, Rowan Lappy to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Rowan, thanks for being with us on game day as you get ready to face Penn State in the semifinals. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Super exciting to be here. So after that Stanford game, we came on the air talking about the fact that Michael Moynihan wanted Northwestern to be the Stanford of the Midwest. I posed the question going to break. Can they prove it? Can they do it? You guys proved it. We interviewed you after. I called you a baller, and that kind of went viral, Rowan. That was pretty cool.
4: It was a super cool moment. I had people um, coming out to me around around university being like, what's up, baller?
1: What's up, baller? <laughs> All over the place. So, yeah, thank you for that. Super funny. Well, let's talk about this season because last year was not a great season, right? And even Michael Moynihan saying the culture was a little off and then he changed the formation to do this kind of wild formation with three in the back, six in the middle, one up top. And here you are, 14-3-2, and two, big time wins over Xavier, Stanford, Ohio State, Rutgers in the last game. What has been the difference between last year and right here, right now?
4: Yeah, 100%. So, Last year, we did not have a great season. And the crazy part of it is is we're not really missing that many pieces this year that we didn't already have last year. So I think for me, at least, a big part of it was just culture. So this year, um, me and my co-captain, Danica Austin, um, that was like our our biggest focus. We just wanted to get everyone right, get everyone bought in, everyone committed. Um, Everyone was super unhappy with the results last year. Um, We knew we could do a lot better, uh, as well as the coaches, coaching staff. They fully bought into the leadership that – Danny and I brought and um we had a team that has we have a team full of full of leaders like we're not the only ones and it's it's honestly such a such a blessing showing up every day having a team that that cares so much and is bought in for each other but 100% I think the biggest difference maker this year is is the culture and just having everyone bought in and, and fighting and working for each other every single day no matter if last player on the bench first player in the field everyone's energy is the same and the commitment's
1: all there so I think that's that's been huge for us this season, leading us to some of the success we've had. We're here with Rowan Lappy, one of the captains for Northwestern. Again, they'll play Penn State today at 4.30 Eastern time on the Big Ten Network for a chance to play in Sunday's championship game, also featured on the Big Ten Network. Let's check this out for Northwestern. Eight of their starters received some kind of All-Big Ten recognition, including Rowan Lappy with six goals and three assists, second team All-Big Ten, Meg Bode, first team All-Big Ten with six goals and two assists aria del carmen the center forward second team all big 10 with six goals and five assists josie alasino third-team All-Big Ten with seven goals and eight assists. Right next to Rowan Lappy, the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Katerina Regazzoni, who was also third-team All-Big Ten. Emma Phillips, the center back behind Rowan, second-team All-Big Ten with two goals and one assist. Her fellow captain, who she already mentioned, in Danny Austin, third-team All-Big Ten with one goal and three assists. Mia Raven, the transfer from Wake Forest, played in half the games until... Riley Fitzpatrick got hurt. She was second team all Big Ten. And then check this out. The three players that didn't get any Big Ten recognition, one, Nicole Doucette, she scored a goal, would turn out to be the game winner against Rutgers. Ella Haas had an assist in the win over Rutgers, and Lily Gilbertson also had an assist. So in my view, all 11 are all Big Teners. That's amazing, Rowan, as we break that down. As you hear that right here, right now, how awesome is that?
4: I mean, I'm sitting here getting excited. It's making, it's making me just so happy. It's just so proud of everyone. I mean, I think you can see from our squad that we're it's all over the place. We have talent all all over the field. It's not just one player out there doing it. It's, it's a full team effort. And that's, that's part of the, part of the reason we have success with the formation we play. It's the tough formation we play, but because we're, we have talent everywhere and we have the the commitment to, you know, continually be better every day. Like we're, we're doing great. we it's super hype. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm so excited. Like as soon as all those awards came out, the first everyone's texting group chat, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like we made history for being um the team that has the most awards that any team's ever had at Northwestern. So super exciting. I mean, I'm obviously so happy for everyone that everyone that got recognition. And um, the cool thing is I don't think we need that. We we kind of play with the chip on our shoulder and we we continue that um into every game we we have, but at the same time, it's it's nice to know that you know some of the work and all the effort we put in is getting
1: recognized by the Big Ten. It's kind of cool that you're playing Penn State for a couple reasons. One, Penn State is always the team that everybody shoots for. Two, you're from Pennsylvania. You're from teeny tiny Reinholds, Pennsylvania, which I think has only 2,000 people. Tell us about growing up in Reinholds, PA.
4: Growing up in Reinholds, PA, definitely a different experience. Uh, I got here and I when I got here, I didn't realize that chopping wood wasn't like a normal chore. And I, you know, I saw my friends here. I was like, you guys did not chop wood when you were younger and it shows. (laughs) But, um, you know, growing up there, I mean, super small town. Um, My high school is surrounded by corn on three sides. My parents went to my high school. My grandparents went to my high school. Both of them are high school sweethearts. So not not a lot of people necessarily leave the area. Um, Super close knit. And, but, you know, definitely I live in the woods. So that, that already within itself is a pretty different experience, you know, growing up, but go home from school and like go play in the woods and like build forts with sticks and stuff. Like definitely, um, I guess not a typical experience, like didn't grow up in a suburb necessarily, but you know, I wanted nothing more than to kind of get away. And that's why I did choose Northwestern and going to a big city like Chicago, but at the same time, you know, so I'm so fortunate to have grown up there because I think it's, you know, it's made me into the person I am today. And I have a lot of pride for my high school Calico and, you know, it's definitely shaped me into who I am, but definitely a unique experience. Also, I got stuck behind like and buggies on the way to high school and like, you know, a lot of of Amish people in the area. And so it's super unique, but I I love it. I love it now. And I definitely think that coming here at Northwestern, like really the city life and everything definitely showed me an appreciation for where I did grow up, but
1: super unique for sure. I got to believe you don't find Northwestern without the Penn Fusion in the ECNL though, right? Because even small towns have great athletes like Rowan Lappy. So clearly the Penn Fusion played a key role, right? In developing your game. Can you talk about your time in the ECNL?
4: Yeah, 100%. So I was in the ECNL for two years and then DA for the last two um, before that um, folded, I guess. But yeah I, I basically drove an hour and 15 minutes almost every night um to get down like closer near Philly um to go play for Penfusion but I mean I owe Penfusion all the credit in the world that is that is why I'm here today um started playing for them in ninth grade and you know I had coach Craig Scangarella. that's almost like my second dad um you know they've just been so amazing to me at Penfusion such a close-knit family and you know they've definitely made me who I am today they helped Switched me to my sixth position. So they saw right away, yo, you need to be playing the sixth. That's that's definitely a position. And um, ever since ninth grade, you know, they've been kind of grooming me and teaching me all I need to know about how to play the position. And, um, you know, I, I owe so much to them.
1: Let's get to know your family better, that family in Reinhold's PA. As you said, your grandparents were high school sweethearts, your parents were high school sweethearts. Tell us uh, your mom and dad's name, and do you have any brothers and sisters?
4: Yep, my parents' name, Heather and Joe Lappy. Um, I had one sister, she's younger, her name is Kira Lapini. She's a freshman at the University of Oregon right now. She doesn't play any sports, but, you know, just kind of out there having a good time. And, um, you yeah, know, that's, that's my best friend, 100%. I have a super close-knit family. I wouldn't have – I won't be anywhere where I am today without any of them. I mean, whether it was my dad or my mom driving me to practice every day of the week, like ever since I was in sixth grade or, you know – Um my sister just you know sacrificing so much for me to be able to do what what I'm doing now. I owe so much to them, I love them all so much. And you know, we're definitely a little quirky, a little weird, definitely not your typical family. We got our little, you know, I don't know, our unique little uniqueness, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, we're super close knit and I just I owe everything to them. I I love them so much. Those are my biggest supporters. And I literally would have nothing without them and everything they've done for me. Like you get emotional talking about it, but you know, they've they've done so much for me.
1: I can feel best. your yeah. I can feel your emotion. I can feel it genuine. And you talk about unique. Rowan is a unique name. What do you know about how they picked that name? Rowan, spelled R O W A N. Yeah,
4: actually, I wish there was a cooler story, but my mom just got it out of a baby name book because she liked it. <laughs> um, but they definitely wanted to give me and my sister unique names. Um, and Kira's, I guess, not as unique anymore. But uh, yeah, they just they really thought that the name
1: Rowan was fit their first first girl. So so I have it. All right. Well, I understand you are National Honor Society class president. You are, I think, major in economics or that may have changed. Michael Moynihan said you're majoring in soccer, which I appreciate it because that means maybe you'll make it to the next level and I'll be able to call your games there as well in the NWSL. You're also the co-founder of a unique organization in economics at Northwestern. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: yeah so economics still is my major so I'll graduate this winter with an econ degree and I have a minor in business institutions and then a minor in entrepreneurship so kind of more of like the business realm I guess you could say. but um, I actually had a professor and the head of the econ department Mark Woody and um, alongside a couple other of his um, co-workers come up to me and a, a couple other women asking if we would be interested in helping start a club for just women in econ especially because, it's a major that's, you know, not necessarily have a ton of women in it. So they wanted some more representation and a club and an outlet where women could join and, you know, feel like they have some resources or people to talk to within the major. So um, I helped co-found it. It's basically just a club that, like I said before, just unites all the women within the major, kind of signs like study buddies and um, things like that, has a couple of social events and um, just, I don't know, I guess the main point of it is just to help. Women within class feel like they see familiar faces or have people to talk to um, within the major, and like can get you know help when they need it or feel supported and stuff. Especially because within STEM, sometimes women I think get a bit neglected. Obviously, things are changing, but you know definitely loving to see more women feel like they can join STEM and join the major like econ. That was kind of the premise behind the club. But um, I kind of stepped stepped um, down from some of my responsibilities a bit as. A season is happening and um, this year, but I was president of it last year and I did help co-found it. And I'm super proud of Northwestern for having and starting a club such as that, because I think it's super important for women everywhere to feel supported and especially
1: within a STEM major. We're super proud to have Rowan Lappy on today's show as today at four 30 on the big 10 network, it'll be Northwestern against Penn state. We talked about the fact that your family's from Pennsylvania. I got to believe Columbus isn't that far away. I got to believe they'll be at lower.com field for this game.
4: Yeah, they will be. Um, I think that my mom and dad are definitely flying out. I think there's a chance my sister might also come from Oregon and fly out. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, my gran- my grandparents may drive up, but I'm not sure. They might be content to just maybe sit and sit and watch on the TV and support that way. But regardless, I know the, the Wildcat family has been – every single person within every family has been coming out to support so much this season. So I know, I know we'll have a big gathering there for us.
1: Tell us the future of Rowan Lappy. Will you come back for one more year next year? Will you use your COVID year, Rowan? Have you decided?
4: I definitely would like to. I actually have two more years because I took a medical red shirt my freshman year due to injury. Um, I just stopped after, I think the first five games or something. So I got that year back, but yeah, definitely my intent would be to come back and use my years for sure. And just want to make sure I get through this season healthy, no dings, no no knocks on the body, but yeah, I'd love to.
1: So that means you'll get more schooling as well. Maybe try to get your master's while you're doing that potentially.
4: Yeah, I think so. something the master's or grad program or something like that, but yeah,
1: for sure. And then what about playing professionally? Because like I said, Michael Moynihan said that you are a soccer junkie. I call you a baller. Are you going to try to take that to the next level?
4: hundred percent. I mean, I think ever since I grew up, since I was four years old, I always said I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So that's definitely my intention, and you know I'm going to keep grinding every day to try to get there, and
1: that's definitely the goal. All right, as we wrap up, Northwestern will beat Penn State today and make it to Sunday's Big Ten Tournament championship game if they do what?
4: You know, I think just coming out there with a chip on our shoulder, like I said before, I think that's that's what gives us our edge. They they predicted us to finish 11th in the Big Ten, we finished second, and we're still not satisfied. We want to go out there, and we want to we want to prove more points and prove more people wrong, prove all the haters wrong. So I think that, you know, as long as we keep keep that chip on our shoulder and really just go out there and stay united, stay connected. And, you know, it's a, it's a super big high level game and there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be things that aren't perfect, but I think our edge is the fact that we're so united and unified and, you know, we want to work for each other and we want to get the
1: job done. I'll oh, end this the same way we ended our conversation after that big win over Stanford. Rowan Lappy, you are a baller. Good luck tonight against Penn State. And thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
4: Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it. Go Cats.
1: On the other side of the bracket, starting at two o'clock today, it is the story of all stories. The Michigan State women's soccer team under the Haas, Jeff Hostler will take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Michigan State went undefeated in Big Ten play. One of the most amazing turnarounds for a program, perhaps in the history of D1 women's soccer, where they are today, number six in the country. And Jeff Hostler makes sure that everything is right on the field and off as he has been working this year and perhaps in prior years with Dr. Nick Holton and Dr. Adam Wright. They have created this incredible program called the Anti-Fragile Athlete that focuses on mental health, well-being, and performance among collegiate athletes. We'll visit with Dr. Nick Holton, who is also a Michigan State man. He's got three degrees from there, as well as Dr. Adam Wright, our last segment after these messages.
0: Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love. Delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform, from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It's not too late to get your program recognized for the 2022-23 season. Register now for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program to enhance your coaching experience with educational offerings, general liability insurance, and awards and rankings eligibility for you and your players. The College Services Program serves to support you and your coaches, recognize your students' amazing efforts on the field and in the classroom, and advocate for meaningful change that protects our coaches and players. today by visiting unitedsoccercoaches.org backslash college.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We just heard from the star midfielder for Northwestern, Rowan Lappy, who will be at lower.com field tonight as part of one of the two semifinals in the Big Ten tournament. The first game will be the story of the country, I think, as it relates to women college soccer as Michigan State will take on Nebraska. They're led by Jeff Hostler. And we're joined by two outstanding doctors that have been working with Michigan State as part of a program called the Anti-Fragile Athlete. Again, that's the Anti-Fragile Athlete. And we're joined by a man who got three degrees, including his doctorate, from Michigan State talking about Dr. Nick Holton. Welcome, Dr. Holton.
5: Thanks, Dean. Glad to be here with you.
1: And we also have Dr. Adam Wright, who is the director of mental performance for the Washington Nationals in Major League Baseball, which is pretty cool. He got his master's and doctorate from Temple. Dr. Wright, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dean. Happy to be here. Right away, I want to dive into your work with Jeff Hostler in Michigan State because I've been calling college soccer for about 30 years, which means I'm an old fat guy, obviously, but I love my seat, and the story of Michigan State in two short years might be one of the greatest turnarounds in the history of college women's soccer, and you guys are working with them, so you guys get a lot of the credit, so tell me about Anti-Fragile Athlete, and then from there, Tell us how you got involved with Jeff Hostler in Michigan State.
5: I don't know that we deserve a lot of the credit, but we're certainly happy to be working with Michigan State women's team. We're thrilled for Jeff and his entire staff. Um, Jeff's been a close personal friend for 15 years now. I know his staff well, and they're all wonderful people and um, incredibly deserving of this success. But to your point, like the statistical uh improbability right that what's happening this year would would be happening is um pretty insane so it's been a lot of fun for us to watch as well the background here dean so i'll start actually with how adam and i came together and and really created what we call the anti-fragile athlete um as you're well aware there are about five different suicides among division one athletes just in march alone uh adam and i have existed in this well-being and performance space mental well-being and performance space for a long long time And I think when March came around, we had already been talking about trying to insert ourselves into the fray a little bit. And that was just the extra kind of kick in the pants that said, okay, now's the time we got to step in, right? That said, um, Jeff has been ahead of this curve for years already, right? So I worked with Jeff back when he was at Grand Valley, and he just simply, I think, looked around like many coaches around the country do and said, I got a lot of young women, young student athletes here who are really trying to be their best selves, but a lot of times are languishing, right, and facing adversity and trying to figure out how to navigate that. And it's a testament to him and his staff that he cares about his players enough as full human beings to say, okay, how do I help train them up in that area how do I equip them with the skills to help them navigate this adversity build well-being feel good while playing better at the same time and that's where our official role as the anti-fragile athlete with Michigan State came in this year so a little bit of history there.
6: I think we should probably define what anti-fragile means because it's something that's not necessarily, you know, in the popular culture so much. I think someone's got a taste of it. But, but it was coined by uh, an author and trader, actually, not in the sports science world, but about 2012, where he was looking at systems that would thrive in the face of disorder, randomness, chaos. They actually would seek them out and grow. And it's an interesting concept because in sports psychology, we talk a great deal about resistant, resilient athletes. So, you know, they preserve, they more quickly recover in the face of stress. Um, and we think, okay, that's great, but it's simply not enough. That is like, what are these internal and external factors, whether it's an individual or a team that allows stress to elicit one's talents to a d- greater degree? How can they grow? And how can we do this with intention? And what are those skills and tools that you can teach the athletes so they have access to this? I would say it's a, it's a very natural biological state. Any coach... Knows that we, you know, in terms of stress adaptation system, you had a stressor, the system grows. You take it away, the system ultimately will will die and fail. So how do we do this from a psychological perspective? And we just love this concept. We fell in love with it just because it just makes so much sense across all systems. I think it's a great and interesting way to introduce these ideas to athletic population.
1: The first voice you heard was Dr. Nick Holton. The second voice you heard was Dr. Adam, Wright. I want to tie it back to Michigan state because they play tonight. But before I do that, Dr. Wright, I do want to go back to you as the director of mental performance for the Washington nationals. One of my best friends is Paul Shuey who played for the Indians for 12 years. And he talked about, you got to have the right mentality all the time. Cause sometimes you're on top of the game. Sometimes you're not what, is that job like working for a major league baseball team?
6: So I, I don't work with the entire program. I only work with the big league club. Um, so in, in a sense, it's, a, I see a Darwin, there's a Darwinian nature to that. I see the guys that actually make it, those few that make it from the minor league to the major league. Um, it's a different breed, right? And at some point there's a bottleneck because from a physicality perspective, what you see is you couldn't tell the difference between most of these guys from a talent perspective or just a general physicality perspective. There's something different. And, and ultimately, what's different is in between their ears. And the question is, it's like what's gotten to them there is not necessarily what's going to keep them up there. So my goal is not to get them there. My goal is to keep them there and often to deal with setbacks, which in, that, in our case, it's usually injury, which there are a lot of injuries through the season. So I, we're, what I'm trying to do essentially is put a systematic developmental program in that's based upon learning psychological skills so that we're not simply coming in and trying to fix something when it's broken. It's like, no, we're learning these skills as you progress through the season, as you get fatigued and you get burned out and you wear down. It's like, what can we now capitalize on that we've already learned in the past? So sure, it's things like mindfulness and it's things like arousal control and learning better mental model for psychological flexibility under stress. But it's also simply about being an ear. It's about listening. You know, it's about having someone to speak with that maybe- maybe allows for a little more psychological safety and freedom than they would talking to a normal coach. Right. So it's just, and right now, the, the way the contracts work in MLB, everyone, every team
1: has to have someone like me available. Well, now I want to go back to Dr. Nick Holton, who got all three of his degrees from Michigan state there in East Lansing. And Dr. Holton, before you started to get involved in this anti-fragile athlete, and I do want to know how it works as a business model in a moment, what else have you done in your career? So the
5: simple way I explain it to people is I study human flourishing, which is really kind of a a synergy between well being and optimal performance. So that might include peak performance, but it's really about sort of daily optimizations that you can generally feel your best self really perform as your best self. Um, But ultimately, it's meaning purpose, you know, community relationships, it's the stuff that kind of makes life worth living and good for most people, right. So I take that science and I apply it really to kind of three E's. We've already talked about one, which is elite athletics. So I work with professional collegiate athletes, programs, uh, high schools, even high level clubs. I've got a long history in the soccer space as a club coach myself and somebody who formerly ran ID camps, you know, those sorts of things. So I've always had this sports piece in my background and have simply added the flourishing and psychology piece to it. The other two E's are executives or entrepreneurs, so I do a lot of uh, coaching through the Flow Research Collective, work with a lot of the top, kind of Fortune Top 100, if you will, C-suite, all the way down to middle management, first responders, right? Um, I can't speak to that too much, but Adam and I actually met through working with a group of uh, officers as well. And then the 30 e is educators, right? So it's a long way of saying I like help people I like helping people level up, and my passion has primarily been around helping young people do that, and often that's through sports.
1: You said the word flourish, and right now, And by the way, you called him Jeff. I don't call him Jeff. I call him the Haas, The Haas, the Haas, the Haas, the Haas all day long. And you talk about flourishing right now. I mean, this man, I feel like anything he touches right now is gold. How cool is it to work with somebody that has, I mean, just that quickly rose to the top of the mountain?
5: Well, it's incredible because I feel like there's plenty of lessons to glean from him and his staff and the way they go about their business. Um, And this, again, goes all the way back to not just his years at Grand Valley, but his years at Alma as well. And it's one thing to watch as a lover of the sport and an alum of Michigan State and somebody who works with the girls. It's another thing to watch as one of his closest. I was a groomsman in Jeff's wedding, right? And if I would have had a proper wedding, he would have been in mine. <laughs> He's family, right? He and his brother are the closest things I have in this world, two brothers. And so to watch, like I told him the other day, just going onto my Twitter feed, it's like, man, I, dude, I can't even get in my political arguments anymore. My feed is just filled with Jeff Hostler at mentions every two minutes, and I, I joke a little bit here, but it's just a ton of fun because he's a great human being. He's an awesome father. He's a hard worker. He's a thoughtful guy. And uh, I'm just super, super happy for him as somebody that cares about his success and the success of the program.
6: There's an element to all this where I, I think it's important to recognize. We, we think our athletes uh, are more tough or resilient than the normal population. And the reality is, is that statistics show that they are equally vulnerable to mental health issues and we have to take that seriously. They're not invincible. And a big part of what we're doing here is basically creating a space that, hey, you know what? Like you are dealing with psychological stressors and injuries and heavy training demands and media and social media attention, all these performance pressures that the normal person doesn't have to deal with. And we have to be there to support them in a way that like, hey, you're not gonna be able to do this on your own. you know? And there, there are systems in place here that can help with this. And I think we got to think about creating environments like we do with the nationals. It's like, if you want to have a high challenge environment, you also have to have a high support environment. They have to go hand in hand.
5: And that's the connection back to the Haas, Dean, and, and Michigan State. Like, he he can do both. In education talk, we call this a warm demander, right? Like, you'll push and you'll nudge and you'll find that zone of proximal development. You'll find ways to challenge but it's always coming from a place of support and care about the entire uh, athlete. Because Adam makes a good point. Like, let's just take the stats for a second. I know you have a lot of coaches, right? A lot of parents, a lot of athletes that listen to your show. You take a soccer roster. So around 30 players, right? If that's a representative sample of the rest of the population, 10. Of every single coach's athletes are likely to experience depression, some sort of anxiety disorder, a full-flown mental illness. I mean, just to put that like concretize it, and put think of the ten athletes on each of these teams, and what we're trying to do is be proactive and prevent that from happening to a greater degree.
6: In many ways, my professional athletes are coddled. All right, this is all they have to worry about. Think of our student athletes. What these girls are dealing with. Compressed schedules, academic demands, parental expectations. And there is so much more that the scholar athlete has to deal with.
5: All the social.
6: All the social. (laughs) It it is. And and these expectations, internal and external, and it's just,
1: they're dealing with, I think, more than many of my professional athletes have to deal with. Really cool. Spending time with Dr. Nick Holton and Dr. Adam Wright. They have a program called the Anti-Fragile Athlete that focuses on mental health, well-being, and performance among collegiate athletes. Specifically, they are working with one of the greatest stories in college sports, let alone college soccer, the Michigan State women who normally finished in the basement. In Jeff Hostler's first year, they finished fourth in the regular season. This year, they did not lose a game in the regular season. They're the number one seed, and they'll play tonight on the Big Ten Network against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So you guys are brilliant. I'm not so brilliant. Dumb it down for me. How do you make this happen? I know you're friends with Jeff Hostler, but let's say you weren't. How do you make this happen, and then what happens? Do you Zoom? Do you go in there and spend time with him? How does it work?
5: We make customized, short, scenario-based videos that provide a common scenario or context a student athlete's going to deal with, right? Talks about some of the science of what they're dealing with at that moment, gives them kind of efficient, action-packed steps that they can take to address what they're experiencing in that scenario, and then a workbook to practice it, right? All of that happens away from Adam and I. All of that happens away from the coaches. We build the curriculum, we provide the videos, we give you the workbook. And then typically the coaches we work with or say a program and our athletic director, and we're doing this with other schools, they will hold the student athlete accountable for consuming that material. Once we know they've consumed it, we come in and coach either the players themselves or the coaches along with the players so that they can take what they've learned in our short under three minute videos and start to transfer them to the field of play, both in practice and during matches, right? So we're not just giving content, we're not just giving coaching, we're finding the sweet spot between those things and making sure that everyone involved in the success of the program coaches and players, sometimes other leadership positions, get exposed to it, right? And we're seeing great results, right? Uh, So far, we were just collecting data from some of our samples the other day. We're seeing increases in their ability to cope with adversity, increases in peaking under pressure, reduction in freedom of, uh, excuse me, increase in freedom of worry, reduction in negative emotion, right? Good levels of flourishing, all the things that we would want to see for our young student athletes.
6: And to add to that, these skills are not simply, you know, they're not special to the pitch. In other words, they translate into all life, any kind of pressurized situations, including academics and just general life. These are life skills.
1: They're not just sports
6: specific skills.
1: One of you mentioned the sad fact that last March, five D one athletes took their lives. So as you're working with these teams, I'm guessing you are available for a player that is having some mental anguish, some mental health issues. So we can be, you know, Adam, I should be clear
5: that neither of us are clinical psychologists, right? Or licensed therapists. So we don't approach this from the standpoint of responding to and quote unquote, fixing the bad. But what we do do is try to flag or identify if we see anything in our data that suggests there could be a concern or there could be a problem, we will flag that with the coach or athletic director, right, whoever is sort of our point of contact. And then that university or or whoever we're working with can go through their proper protocols and mechanisms to try to get that student athlete the support that they need. Right. That said, we do work with a slew of really wonderful uh, mental performance and well-being coaches. So our athletes have the opportunity to opt into one-on-one coaching with them, or in some cases, Adam and I.
6: Remember, the idea idea here is to get people before there's a crisis, before they meet a diagnostic criteria. So we're dealing with general life and sport adversity in such a way that they can cope with it better. In fact, I would even say they could, they could Open up their capacity to deal with more stress, not simply cope. There are going to be times when certain people, given it's called the diathesis-stress model, they're going to have a certain genetic predisposition, environmental, you know, background that the stressor is going to push them over the edge, and they're going to need to seek out more, you know, more therapeutic and uh, clinical help. Um, but our idea is to, to catch it before that happens. The best that we can, and the system. Let's face it, the system's broken, and athletes are notorious. The research shows they are less, less likely to seek out help than the normal college population. It's like 30% to like 10% of athletes. So we have to do something more, much more from a proactive perspective
1: rather than a reactive perspective. As a broadcaster for 30 plus years, I feel like I always always have the best seat in the house to see amazing things and what Michigan State is doing. This is a little bit repetitive as I brought up the fact that I think it's one of the greatest stories we've seen in a long time in D1 soccer. So I enjoy that seat, you know, as Zach Galifianakis would said, how's bragging camp? I feel like when you see what Michigan State does, I think you guys should be able to brag about the fact you're working with the team. Can you guys do that?
5: So one, we're academics, right? So we will never go to the point of claiming a causal relationship, right? Um, but we are certainly happy, uh, thrilled for Michigan State and the results that we're getting, We're happy to see the data that suggests, you know, kind of things might be helping right and might be working, and certainly the two correlate with one another so you know that's enough for us but all due credit goes to uh, Jeff and Megan and Gabe and Tara and the whole Michigan State staff right and their student athletes. if not enough gets said, Dean. I mean, they're winning a ton of awards, but like I've worked with these kids for a while now. They're great kids. They're great student athletes, and they deserve a ton of recognition and success. And I'm just thrilled that they're getting it.
6: We are vehicles for communicating the science and ev- these evidence-based protocols work. So it's not, we're not recreating the wheel. We're delivering the science in a way that I think is, is manageable and digestible. All the success is based on the team. We yeah, as an We should be a fly on the wall. But it also speaks to is like this should not just be with Michigan State. Everyone should be doing this kind of work and have access to this kind of work at every level socioeconomically.
1: That's a perfect segue because when I have people on like you two that connect with me, I want to make sure that people understand, hey, they're also out there. Doing work because that's how they make a living. So I want to know now. We have thirty thousand members. Not all thirty thousand listen to the podcast like right now, but eventually, I think the majority of them do get around to doing it. So speaking to the thirty thousand members of United Soccer Coaches, of course, you know our pro category is a little smaller. Our colleges a little bit bigger. High school is even bigger, and youth is even bigger than that. Speaking to that audience, if they heard this interview now they know you're working with Michigan State they know that you Dr. Wright work with the Nationals if they want to get involved in this anti-fragile athlete where do they find you how do they connect how does it work?
5: So you can go right to our website, really easy, just the antifragileathlete.com, and they can uh, submit a contact inquiry, and that'll come to Adam and I, we'll get in touch with them there, happy to follow up, but we will also, um, in all likelihood, be attending the coaches convention in January in Philadelphia, so come see us there as well, be happy to chat, and we want to help as many young people as possible, so the more the merrier. You're less likely to find us on social media, um, and this is more kind of a business-to-business, right, organization-to-organization. We're really trying to help the masses with this, right? So we want to have in-depth conversations with people who are really trying to move the ball forward on this topic and care deeply about their athletes. Easiest way to do that is just get in touch, and we'll set up a
1: meeting and start the dialogue. The program is called The Anti-Fragile Athlete. The website is the, T-H-E, anti-fragile, A-N-T-I-F-R-A-G-I-L-E, athlete.com that is how you sign up please go there last word time and i like doing this dr holton dr wright if folks heard nothing but this last word about what you do and how you can help this is last word time i'll let you go first dr holton and then indeed dr wright you will have the last word.
5: If a coach, athletic director, manage, whoever it is, somebody that works with athletes in general, right, is looking to get the greatest out of them, right, help them reach their potential and is not acknowledging the role of mental performance and well-being in that, then rather, you know, intentionally, accidentally, whatever you want to call it, you have put a ceiling on the potential for your young people. Right? What do we do? We are trying to help remove that ceiling. We're trying to open up additional possibilities by, as Adam said earlier, trying to address a lot of the stuff going on between their ears.
6: I'll leave you with a quote from Horace. Uh, Adversity has the effect of eliciting talents, which in prosperous circumstances would have lain dormant. And the question is, how can you as a coach or a parent or a leader create the conditions, both internal and external, to elicit your athletes' talents.
1: Dr. Wright, thank you for the last word. And thank you for what you're doing with the antifragileathlete.com. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. All right. And Dr. Holton, as Michigan State makes a run to win the championship. Thanks for reaching out to me. One because any friend of the Haas is a friend of mine. I love that guy. And I think I've got to end with go green.
5: Go white. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, Dean. This was a pleasure. And uh, best of luck to you as well. Really appreciate
1: I look, it. Yep. I look forward to seeing you both at the convention in Philadelphia as well. Again, the fragile athlete.com. Check it out, folks. And I want to thank all of our guests and remind everybody to tune into the Big Ten Network today at two o'clock as Michigan State will take on Nebraska and women's soccer in the semifinals at lower.com field in columbus then at 4 30 it'll be penn state and rowan lappies northwestern wildcats also want to thank the great people at united soccer coaches especially bailey conklin brandon milburn erica dyer jeff van dusen and the gang my producer is colin thrash for each and every one of them and all of you i'm dean linke saying we'll see you next week for another edition of the united soccer coaches podcast presented
0: by league apps Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.